Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pilates Elephants with your host, Raphael Bender. So, uh, diastasis rectus abdominis or diastasis recti abdominis is something we've talked about previously on this podcast, uh, but uh, I want to talk about it again because there are two brand new high-quality studies that have just come out this year. In fact, one of them is still in preprint, and uh, they do shed some more light on the effect of various different exercises on diastasis. So I wanted to share those with you. Now, there's a lot of fear around diastasis uh, in the Pilates world, and especially around curl-ups and twisted curl-ups. Um, there's a very common belief amongst Pilates instructors and indeed, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, some pelvic health physios also hold this view, uh, the incorrect view that uh, curl-ups are dangerous for women with diastasis or that, you know, they make diastasis worse. Now, there are two lines of evidence that we've reviewed before that uh, contradict this view. And the first one is just the basic anatomy of the abdominal region. And so I just want to talk you through this um, in a fairly brief way, and then I'll get on to talking about these two new uh, research papers that have come out this year that are very high quality uh, studies, ultrasound studies of this topic. So firstly, the basic anatomy. When you do a oh, diastasis is, um, let's just think about what diastasis is. Diastasis is a separation of the linear alba. The linear alba is the, the center, the midline of the abdominal aponeurosis. The abdominal aponeurosis is a sheath, a sheath of fascia, connective tissue, which essentially covers the whole front of the abdomen. Uh, and the rectus abdominis, your six-pack muscle, sits within it. And all of the other abdominal muscles, your internal and external obliques and your transverse abdominis, all connect into the abdominal aponeurosis. And an aponeurosis is just a tendon. It's a central tendon for a muscle that connects to itself. So you have a, uh, you've probably heard of, or uh, maybe you've heard of the lumbosacral fascia, which when you look at an anatomy drawing is the kind of white diamond shaped sheet of fascia on the lower back. And many muscles connect into there. So the lats connect into it. You know, the glutes, uh, you know, have some integration with it. Um, the, the transversus abdominis connects into it. So it's a sheet of fascia that connects multiple muscles. And when, when we say the transversus abdominis connects into it, it means the left transverse abdominis connects into it, the right transverse abdominis connects into it. So the left and the right transverse abdominis connect into the aponeurosis and the aponeurosis connects into itself. So the left and the right transverse abdominis actually connect into each other because they both pull on each end of the uh, lumbodorsal fascia, lumbosacral fascia. And then at the front, there's kind of a, a, an, a very similar structure of fascia called the abdominal aponeurosis. And that is just kind of a broad 
you know, roughly rectangular sheet of fascia that covers the entire abdomen from your uh, pelvis up to about the fifth rib, up to, you know, roughly breastbone height. And the left and the right transverse abdominis insert into one of the layers of this aponeurosis, right? So the left transverse abdominis pulls the aponeurosis to the left, and the right transverse abdominis pulls the aponeurosis to the right. And so they they end up uh, exerting a force on the linear alba, which is the very center line of the aponeurosis. They pull it apart. Can you picture if there are you know, two people standing on one each on one end of a blanket and pulling it apart, like pulling the their edge of the blanket towards themselves? The middle part of the blanket, there's a force on it that it's a tensile force. It's a force. It's a pulling force. So that's the force that the transversus abdominis exerts on the linear alba. The linear alba being the midline, you know, basically the line in between the two halves of your six pack, your rectus abdominis. And so the transverse abdominis exerts a tensile force or a pulling apart force on that linear alba. Now, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's just a thing. Um, but what it does mean is that for women and you know, some men who have a diastasis recti abdominis, a separation of the two halves of that linear alba, when the transversus abdominis contracts, what do you suppose happens to the diastasis? It gets wider, right? Just based on the basic anatomy and understanding where the you know, where the muscle is and and how it uh, produces force, it pulls laterally. It pulls outwards. The transverse abdominis pulls outwards on the abdominal aponeurosis, and the linear alba is simply the midline of the abdominal aponeurosis. So when the the left abdominal aponeurosis is being pulled to the left, and the right abdominal aponeurosis is being pulled to the right. Well, in the middle, it, there's a there's a pulling force that separate that tends to separate. Right now, I'm not saying that transverse abdominis contraction causes diastasis, but what I'm saying is the mechanics of the contraction of transverse abdominis are such that they exert a force on the aponeurosis that tends to widen an existing diastasis. Right? And indeed, that's what we find when we um, you know, look at research, uh, when, we, when we research this topic and we you know, measure uh, a diastasis and then we have the participants draw in their tummy, which is a contraction of the transverse abdominis, what we find is the diastasis widens. Now, there's a lot of research on this topic, but it's all very low quality. Right, so yes, we find that in the research, but the research is not terribly reliable. Uh, and when I say low quality, I mean it often it's measured by finger measurement, which is very unreliable, um, or they, you know, they don't, uh, you know, blind the assessors. Um, you know, so there there are lots of methodological problems with a lot of the research that's been done. So we can't really take it as definitive. Uh, however, it is in line, the findings of the research are in line with just the basic mechanics of, uh, you know, those muscles as we understand them. So transverse abdominis exerts a lateral pull on the abdominal hyponeurosis, which tends to widen diastasis uh, in the moment. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying 
transverse abdominis, you know, makes it worse over time. I'm saying just in the moment of contracting the transverse, it tends to widen the diastasis. And conversely, the rectus abdominis, which runs from the vertically from the top to bottom of the abdomen, the two halves of the rectus abdominis, when they contract, they tend to narrow the diastasis. Uh, and that is because, you know, the like I said before, the two halves of the rectus abdominis, you've got a left and a right rectus abdominis, just like you've got a left and a right psoas, left and a right biceps, you've got a left and a right rectus abdominis. And when, uh, when a woman has diastasis and the two and the abdominal aponeurosis widens and separates, well, that means the left half of the rectus abdominis bulges out to the left and the right half of the rectus abdominis bulges out to the right. So there's kind of a bow shape to that muscle where previously it was straight. Rectus means straight. So it's the straight muscle of the abdomen. But in the presence of diastasis, it forms a sort of a bow shape, you know, bowed outwards at the middle, you know, away from the belly button. And so as that as the rectus abdominis uh, contracts, to contract means to shorten. And as a curved muscle shortens, it forms the shortest distance between its two points of attachment. And the shortest distance between any two points is a straight line. So that curved muscle, where it's curved at rest because of the diastasis, it bulged outwards to the sides away from the abdominal hyponeurosis. As the muscle contracts, it shortens and pulls into a straight line, which pulls the two halves of the rectus abdominis closer together. And indeed, that's what we find in the research that has been done up until now, which, like I said before, has all been low quality, but it consistently finds that when women with a diastasis do a curl-up move like they lie on their back with their knees bent, hands behind the head, and then you know lift their head and chest off the mat. What uh, what the researchers find is that during that movement, diastasis gets smaller; it narrows. So that's that's what we know you know so far, and that's the background. And there are a bunch of studies that look at. Uh, correlations between women exercising and doing abdominal exercise and then whether they get diastasis or how long the diastasis takes to go away. And all of them, again, are pretty low quality. So the the conclusions we see from them are pretty unreliable, but uh, they all show either no effect of exercise on diastasis or a positive effect. So the exercise, the abdominal exercise, including abdominal crunches and including transversus contraction, narrows the diastasis over time. Now, like I said, those uh, studies are low quality and we can't necessarily take them as, you know, gospel. Um, But of, you know, a dozen or so studies that we have, none of them show a harmful effect of any kind of abdominal work on diastasis. So they all show either no effect or the diastasis improves. But the evidence has been quite a shake up until now. Now, in these two, uh, in these last, in the in the last um, couple of months only, two new studies have uh, been published uh, on this topic. 
Uh, and one is called uh, one one is on the inter on the immediate effect of uh, a curl up and a twisted curl up and abdominal hollowing, or in other words, transversus contraction. So the immediate effect, like what happens during the movement or the contraction, on diastasis in pregnant women. And the so that's one is on the like the the instantaneous effect. What happens during a contraction of rectus abdominis or transverse abdominis, or the obliques? And then the the other study is a a longitudinal study that looked at the effect uh, on a uh, tw- uh, I think it was twelve week program they did um, of yeah twelve week program five days a week of curl ups. And looked at the effect on the diastasis after after twelve weeks of five days a week of curling up. So I want to talk you through these two studies. So the first one is the instantaneous one. It's called the effect of exercise on the interrectus distance in pregnant women with diastasis recti abdominis, an experimental longitudinal study uh, by Nega Margreth Theodorson et al. And it is. Uh, it's in a journal pre-proof at the moment. It's uh, published online on the 23rd of August, 2023, and I'm speaking to you on the 30th of August, so this is very hot off the press. Uh, and what they did in this study, and this, this is, and, and the reason these two studies, I want to talk to you about them, uh, is because they these are really, in my view, the first two ever high-quality, well-conducted studies on this topic of curl-ups and diastasis. So uh, we now have, with these two studies, in my view, some actual high-quality evidence of what happens uh, during a curl-up and also what happens after a prolonged exercise program of three months of doing curl-ups for women with diastasis. So this first study, the instantaneous one, effect of, inter- on the ex- of exercise on the interactus distance in pregnant women with diastasis recti, uh, by uh, Nina Marguerite Theodorson. Uh, and uh, what they did was they got 38 women with a diastasis of 2.8 centimeters or greater. Um, and they did two dimensional ultrasound um, uh, measures of the interrecti distance. That's a distance between the left and the right halves of the rectus abdominis muscle, uh, two centimeters above and below the belly button, um, both at rest. So they were, um, uh, I believe they were lying on their back um, and then uh, just at rest. And then they got the women to do uh, several different maneuvers and measure the interrectal distance during each of the following maneuvers. So they did a pelvic floor muscle contraction, and they tried to, as much as possible, isolate the pelvic floor muscles. Then they did a transversus contraction, and then they did a combined pelvic floor and transversus contraction. Then they did a head lift so they kept their their shoulders on the mat and just lifted the head, which would you know recruit the abs to some degree, but not a lot. Uh, then they did a curl up. Uh, then they did a twisted curl up. So you know, like what in Pilates we would call obliques or the crisscross, uh, where they kept their feet on the floor, but they you know, had their hands behind the head and they you know brought you know 
one elbow towards the opposite knee. Uh, and what they found uh, was during pelvic floor muscle contraction, during transversus abdominis contraction, and during the combination of pelvic floor and transverse contraction, the interrecti distance increased, the diastasis widened, right? And thinking about the anatomy that I just talked you through uh, before, that is in line with, you know, our understanding, current understanding of the anatomy of that region, right? So when you contract pelvic floor, it increases the pressure within the abdomen, which pushes out, which tends to widen the diastasis. When you contract the transversus, it pulls, you know, laterally on the linear elbow, which tends to widen the diastasis. And so indeed, that's what we see. When you do a curl up, you recruit the rectus abdominis, which shortens the rectus abdominis, causing it to straighten and the diastasis as a result becomes narrower. And indeed, that's what we see. And when we do a twisted curl up, uh, we also see that the rectus abdominis uh, pulls those you know, two halves of the um, linear alba together and the interrecti distance decreased in this study uh, during a curl up and during a twisted curl up. Uh, and the, the authors uh, concluded, quote, pelvic floor and drawing in exercise increased interrecti distance whilst head lift, curl up and diagonal curl up decreased the interrecti distance in pregnant women with diastasis recti abdominis at gestation week 27 and week 37. So they, they got the same group of women in uh, 10 weeks apart and measured them in both at both time points, and they found basically the same thing. They found that the, the diastasis was a little bit wider to begin with at week 37 than it was at week 27, which is not surprising, but that the effect of the exercises on the diastasis was the same at both week 27 and week 37. So that is the first high-quality study, and uh, this is high-quality in my view because they uh, measured using uh, – ultrasound, which is a highly accurate way of measuring interrecti distance. Uh, they, uh, they measured um, at rest and during you know, half a dozen different combinations of muscle actions. Uh, and so uh, and yeah, it was a, um, it was um, essentially a well, con you know, a well uh, conducted study for those reasons. Uh, so that you know seems to clearly show that during a curl up, uh, the interrecti distance gets narrower, you know, diastasis decreases. During a twisted curl up, same thing. Uh, now we have the second study called, uh, which came out a couple of months back. Now um, it is called. Curl-up exercises improve abdominal muscle strength without worsening interrecti distance in women with diastasis recti abdominis postpartum, a randomized controlled trial by Sandra B. Glupp et al. Uh, from the Norwegian School of Sports Science in, in Oslo, Norway. Now, uh, Sandra Glupp uh, has, has already previously published a systematic review on uh diastasis and exercise, uh, and one of her conclusions was that the the Research is really low quality. <laughs> we need some good quality research. And so she has now done some really good, quality, really high quality research. Uh, and so what uh, they did in this study was they got a they got 70 uh, 
women um, who were pregnant uh, and had uh, diastasis. Um, and they they defined diastasis as uh, 2.7 centimetres or greater uh, at rest in this study, and they measured diastasis by Oh, sorry. No, they did. They used twenty-eight millimeters at rest. Um, uh, my apologies. Uh, so the same measurement, uh, and then they used ultrasound to measure the, the interrectal distance, and they did a. Then the women did a program of abdominal exercises containing curl-ups and twisted curl-ups, and they did the program five days a week for twelve weeks, and uh, then. They measured the interact eye distance again, and they also measured a whole bunch of other things as secondary outcomes, including abdominal muscle strength and thickness, uh, including uh, uh, severity of pelvic floor disorders, low back pain, pelvic girdle pain, abdominal pain. Uh, so they measured all of these things before and after the intervention. And what they found was that uh, the women who did, the, and then there was a control group who did of women who had the same diastasis who did nothing. What they found was in uh, both groups of women, the diastasis did not change. So the abdominal exercises didn't make it better or worse. Uh, And for the women who did abdominal exercises also, uh, their pelvic floor disorders didn't change, their low back pain, their pelvic girdle pain, their abdominal pain didn't change. Uh, But they got stronger abdominals and thicker abdominals. So they toned their tummies and they got stronger and they didn't affect the diastasis, their pelvic floor, their low back pain, you know, incontinence or any of that stuff. Uh, so what this shows, and, and this is a well-conducted study in my view for a couple of reasons. One is the women were, 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 uh, had a blinded allocation. So they were, they were randomized to different groups and the person randomizing them to the group didn't know which group they were randomizing them to. Uh, and then they did measures by ultrasound, which is a highly reliable way of measuring diastasis. And then the person uh, collating the results at the end was blinded as to which group each woman was in, right? So they just were called, you know, participant seven or something. And the the, uh, the person doing the statistics didn't know whether participant seven had been in the exercise group or the control group. They were just they were blinded to that. So there was they they did a lot of things to eliminate potential sources of bias amongst uh, the people conducting the research. So uh, this is a high-quality randomized controlled trial, and it shows a 12-week program of five days a week containing curl-ups and twisted curl-ups for women with diastasis did not worsen interact eye distance or change the severity of pelvic floor disorders or low back or pelvic girdle or abdominal pain, and I'm reading from the conclusions here, but it did increase abdominal muscle strength and thickness. Uh, so there you go. So now we have, uh, two high quality studies released in the last couple of months showing that both, uh, during a curl up and a twisted curl up, diastasis gets narrower. And after a 12 week, five day per week program of curl ups and twisted curl ups, diastasis doesn't change, but you just get stronger abs. So, uh, you know, I think, um, what conclusions can we draw at this point? I, I would say, uh, you know, we now have a dozen or more low-quality studies, none showing harm, some showing no effect, and some showing benefit. And now we have two high-quality studies, both showing no harm and no benefit, 
to uh, well, I guess the, the the both showing no harm, and the longitudinal study showing no harm or benefit in the you know over the long term. Uh, so I think what we can uh, conclude with a, a relatively high degree of confidence is that abdominal curl ups and twisted curl ups do not make diastasis worse. Now, do they make it better? Probably not. They probably don't make it better. Uh, so I would say that you know the most likely situation is curl ups and twisted curl ups don't influence diastasis, but they do give you stronger abs. <laughs> so why not have stronger abs? Do twisted curl ups and curl ups. So for your clients with diastasis, uh, I would uh, encourage you to uh, not fear abdominal strengthening uh, and to not fear curl-ups and twisted curl-ups in particular. Uh, There are no dangerous abdominal exercises for women with diastasis. There is not a shred of research, good or bad quality, showing any harm from doing abdominal exercises to women with diastasis. Uh, And we have several uh, studies showing uh, benefit. Now, the benefit doesn't always include improvement of the diastasis. And the the highest quality research we had, like I just told you, doesn't show any benefit on the diastasis, but it shows a benefit on strength and muscle thickness. And I can't think of any reason why you wouldn't want your clients to be stronger. (laughs) So uh, I encourage you to uh, encourage your pregnant women or your postpartum women with diastasis not to fear abdominal work, in fact, to embrace it. It's good for them, just like it's good for everyone else. All right. I'll pop a link to those both those studies in the show notes. I encourage you to read them. They're pretty easy reading uh, and uh, very enlightening. So I hope you found that useful. Much love, and uh, I'll see you in the next one. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So Rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. 
Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.